You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Monday, April 5th. I hope everyone, if you celebrate, enjoyed your Easter weekend. As always, I am your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball FYI, Fires on Base, and newly, uh, Off the Bench Baseball. I will be plugging that at the end of the podcast. Uh, Or my more pop culture-related stuff and entertainment type of stuff at places like Nerdist, Mental Floss, Inverse, Bloody Disgusting, and much more. Of this year, Lockdown Padres podcast, though, guys, you can check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javamenio, and that's spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. And if you guys, if you feel so inclined, only if you feel so inclined, you can hit me up on there with any questions, comments, or concerns you might have, and I'll do my very best to answer them. I usually always do, or even answer them here on the show. Today's show, guys, is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. And today's episode, guys, it's a jam-packed one. I'm hoping that it's not too long. You know what I mean? I don't want to make this episode too, too long, but I'm really excited about it. Today, I'm recapping the first weekend. The first series is now complete. The Padres have completed their first series against the Diamondbacks officially. Can re- be recapping some of the things that happened over the weekend with each game, including what I think is the one, I guess, development. I'd say there's two developments that we learned um, from this weekend, like that we learned and that could potentially be things to actually keep an eye on, even though we're only four games into the season. And I'll admit, there are minor things. Like I said, it's to keep an eye on. It's nothing to freak out about yet. So let's get right on into it. Let's start with Friday's game, guys. It was uh, the Dimebacks being subjected, being sh- hidden in the stranglehold, I guess you could say, of Mr. Blake Snell. His Padres regular season debut, he goes four and two-thirds innings, giving up four hits, walking two, striking out eight, and no runs. Very, very good. Now, he was yoinked a little bit early, some would say. 86 pitches, and I know everyone wants to freak out. You know, Padres Twitter, MLB Twitter, oh, Blake Snell getting pulled yet again. Well, here's my thing. And Blake Snell so much has said so himself, by the way, after the game. He was like, guys, you know, look, you know what I mean? Like, it's game one of a long season. Nobody cares about how you do in your first couple months of starts. Um, I'm paraphrasing, but this is basically what he said. It's all about how you finish in the postseason. And he's right. Look, he's obviously annoyed. And I imagine that he knew he was going to get that question right when he got taken out of the game. He's like, yep, they're going to ask about this in the press conference. Um, but he knows. He's smart enough to know. It's it's a long season. You know what I mean? We got to make sure you're freshed up. And I know my, my view on it was... I actually felt like it was a good time to pull him. I, I did. I thought that he kind of done his job basically all the night. For all of you guys who play fancy and maybe you wanted that quality start, I'm sorry he did, wasn't able to uh, reach that. But I guess you just don't want to push him too early. Don't push him too early. It's early on. You know, you just don't have to uh, do that, right? Plus, maybe there was some kind of tactical thing involved here because Snell was going to be due up next, and you wouldn't want to have him uh, at the top of the order. He was going to be due up next, and maybe they wanted to be able to use a pitch hitter with Mateo, and that way, because if you do that, then he's out of the game anyway. So maybe they just figured uh, maybe that was kind of the uh, the decision. Look, at bottom line, you guys know how I feel. 
Put in the universal DH. This is dumb. But anyway, yeah, that's basically the story of the game. In terms of the Padres' offense, um, we got another home run from Eric Hosmer, who's basically off to a smoking hot start right now, kind of proving the doubters, including myself, I guess you could say, uh, wrong. Really great to see this from him. Really great to see him starting off strong. He started off strong last year, and then all the statistical development started happening. So hopefully uh, he can keep up the pace. But as I said, it is very early. Campizano got the start here. He goes one for three with a walk and a strikeout. And even Jerks of Profar managed to uh, get himself a little uh, a little RBI as well with a sack fly. So overall, um, not much to say about this game. It was annoying to see Craig Stammon come in and give up that two-run bomb to Cattell Marte. But in fairness, you know, in fairness, um, you know, Cattell Marte seems to be the only player that really hit us at all, honestly, this weekend. Cattell Marte looks like he's he's going to bounce back big. The two, he already has matched his home run total of last year. He had two home runs all of 2020, already has two. Like, that was such a weird, super bad season for him. So, Cattell Marte might be the one good player that the D backs have, to be honest with you. Like, literally the only, I don't know, they call up one of their prospect guys, but he might be one of the only good players that they have on that team. Maybe Christian Walker, maybe. But, um,. Yeah, that's basically all there is to report about that game. I will say this, though, and Melanson also picks up the save, uh, which was very nice. I will say this, though. Craig Stanley gets a little bit too much shit on Twitter. I think we... we we Now, he's prone to making mistakes in big spotlights. When the, the light is on, he tends to have some, some bad moments like this, for example. It's only a four-run lead. We really didn't need you to give up a two-run homer. But still, he's not that bad. If Craig Stanley is the worst guy in your bullpen, that's usually not too bad of a sign, at least in my opinion. And also, it's probably a good sign that, you know, Blake Snell might end up being the third best pitcher on this team. Who knows? You know, that's that's a possibility. This is a guy who's won the Cy Young not too long ago, which is pretty nuts. Good outing for him. Uh, a little inefficient, you know what I mean, with some of the pitches, which is one of his problems. It takes him a little bit, a uh, decent amount of pitches to get through games usually. Um, but still, very impressive stuff. Now, before we continue covering the rest of the games this weekend and some of my, and probably, honestly, the bigger highlights of the weekend, I'd say that I know a lot of you want to maybe hear my thoughts on. I need to talk to you first, guys, about betonline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. You know, baseball, it's underway. The NBA, that's still underway. College basketball, well, the women's tournament just ended, and we have uh, tonight the men's championship and the NHL's in full swing. Bottom line is there's a lot of sports going on. And Bet Online also, on top of all the sports, they even cover awards, TV shows, and reality TV with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets. And get this, it's free to sign up. How fantastic is that? So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Remember to use the promo code Locked On when you do that. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, now, guys, before we keep this thing moving right along, let me just talk to you about another podcast that's very important. On top of Locked On Padres, that's a that's one that has to do with all of sports. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. That's right, just 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. The iconic, legendary, and electric man known as Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts, including sometimes myself. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, guys, let's talk about the Saturday game, which is the game that... I think definitely threw Padres Twitter in for a whirl. I think that a lot of people were excited about this game, and for good reason. Number one, 
Manny Machado had his first home run of the season. That was very nice. He ended up having two RBIs on the day. He went three for four. Very cool. Very cool for Manny to have his first good game of the season. And also Will Myers. He has a three RBI game with two doubles for him coming up clutch there. And he even drew a managed to draw a walk, which is very good for Will. Uh, Jake Cronenworth got a hit. It was it was a good offensive game. The Padres win by a score of seven to nothing. They blank the Arizona Diamondbacks. And a big reason for the blanking of blanking is that the proper word to use here i'm not totally sure but the reason they were shut out is because mr joe musgrove his first regular season debut for the padres check out this stat line folks six innings only three hits no earned runs no walks and eight strikeouts yeah, um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's pretty much one of the best debuts you could possibly have. Joe Musgrove, here's the thing. And I actually was very close to making this my official bold prediction. Instead, my bold prediction for the season was Trent Grisham and finishing in a top 10 for MVP voting, but which is still bold, don't get me wrong. But one of my super bold predictions I was thinking about is saying Joe Musgrove is going to be the second best starting pitcher on this team. And, you know... One of the reasons I thought that was, number one, just because baseball and I want to come up with a bold prediction. Number two, I really think that the kind of recent um, kind of upsurge that he had, especially last year, was kind of legit with the uptick in his curveball usage and all that stuff. It just seemed to be like he made actual tangible changes and it wasn't just same thing as always but better. You know what I mean? Like that usually means that you got a little bit lucky. That's not the case with Joe Musgrove. And I thought, you know, Denelson Lamette maybe doesn't come back fully healthy, but I decided not to. I I backed away from the spice. I'm not going to lie. You guys want to make fun of me? That's fine with me. I did. I, I chickened out of the spice. Because right now, I, hey, if I did do that bold prediction, I'd be retweeting it all over the timeline right now and pretending that I was right. But here's the bottom line, guys. Um, Overall, he really did look good, though. I don't think he was, like, wiping away hitters, but he was efficient. He got himself out of any little trouble that he had. Um, Similar to how Blake Snell got himself out of some trouble situations on the Friday game. He just looked freaking good. And one thing I thought that was was kind of interesting, you know, I just alluded to the curveball usage, which was kind of uh, his thing that really changed last year. But what was interesting to me is, you know, his curveball was his third most used pitch. He obviously had uptick in it last year. Uh, but in this game, the the pitch that he used the most was not his four-seam fastball or the curveball. It was his cutter, which I thought was very interesting. And then his second most used pitch, which is in line with what he usually throws a second percentage-wise most of the time from 2020, it was, in fact, his slider, which was very, very cool. He Out of the 13 swings on his slider, there was seven whiffs, 54% right there. That's pretty, pretty good. And then his curveball was actually the pitch he threw the least. So that, I think, might be an aberration. I think he's going to use his curveball more, but we don't know for sure. Bottom line, though, is that Musgrove came out and looked good. And then, of course, Jorge Mateo. I love the moment. He made a great catch on a potential uh, you know, double that Mateo makes a great catch, and Joe was so pumped about it. I love seeing that. I love, love, love when pitchers get absolutely super psyched about their defense making good plays for them. And... It's not like it was a super necessary situation, not like the bases were loaded or anything like that, because Musgrove was pretty awesome the whole way through. Great control, like I said, zero walks, um, super impressive. I will say this, though, I have to admit, just as a rule, me personally, I usually give it three starts for the for baseball when it comes to pitchers that I'm curious about, and unless it's some, like, Always, like for instance, if Clayton Kershaw was, eh, for like three starts, I would give him the benefit of the doubt for the most part, right? But... 
for me, my usual thing is three starts. But I have to admit, Musgrove looked really, really good, guys. But we should temper expectations because, after all, it was the Diamondbacks. And like I said, I only think maybe Cattell Marte and Christian Walker could be the potentially only like kind of above average bats on this team. I think the Diamondbacks really might be in line for a, a pretty crappy season. So, you know, don't overlook it too much. But I did like that. He wasn't, he threw the cutter, he threw the slider, he threw a bunch of different pitches and really mixed it up a whole lot and did not just use the curveball, which is what everybody I think was expecting, including myself. So that was probably the most exciting thing. A pitch that he does not throw nearly as much as what he entered his first start using. Seems like a gamer. Very, very exciting stuff. And I'm hoping that. He keeps it up. Uh, in terms of other highlights from that game, uh, Ryan Weathers also made an appearance, and he is another one who seems to have been – he really impressed in spring training, uh, mastered his command a little. I shouldn't say mastered. He improved his command, which seems to be one of the reasons that the Padres, you know, training staff were really high on him, and they ended up having him make the team. And he was good in this as well. Goes three innings, only giving up one hit, no walks, three strikeouts. So, so excellent job by him. And it was great because it allowed guys in the bullpen to rest, which is always – Really important, in my opinion, especially for over the course of a long season. You don't want to drain a bullpen, especially a bullpen with the Padres that's already faced some injuries. And also, last thing about this game, um, Hasan Kim gets his first major league hit, and he goes two for four on the game, driving in and run, which was very, very cool. I was very excited about that. I was glad to see him get the start. You know, it's going to be interesting seeing how um, Jace Tingler manipulates this lineup. I said this already, uh, especially with the infielders and, you know, and Jerks and Profar. I know he can do both, but it's it's going to be interesting seeing how much playing time all those guys get. I think bottom line is it's a depth thing, and it's great to have all three of those guys. Um, we haven't seen the superpower, I guess, from Hassan Kim, but looks sharp on those two hits he did get. And it's cool. I like that he's he's just bottom line is he's actually just really exciting. I always get excited when he comes up to the plate. Uh, for the few times I got to see him in spring and especially now in the regular season, I was super jazzed about that. So, uh, yeah, hopefully you enjoyed my little very, very specific and statistical breakdown of Joe Musgrove and how very exciting time for him. I even have him on one of my uh, fantasy teams. Resilient guys, you have him uh, get me a quality start. That was really nice. But anyway, guys, before we get into the last game of the weekend, which is going to be perhaps even more interesting than this one because the Padres lost that one. I need to talk to you about something really, really yummy, guys. Um, 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 um. I need to talk to <laughs> I'm going to stop doing that. It's just out of control. Uh, I need to talk to you guys about Built Bar. They're the best tasting yum, yum, yum uh, protein bars on the market. They're fantastic. And what I love about them the most is their variety of flavors. They've got coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, orange, toffee almond, coconut, peanut butter brownie, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp, a raspberry cheesecake, a birthday cake, uh, a coconut, the, the, the winner of the built bar madness bracket the championship the winner was the the coconut brownie chunk and that's one of my favorite flavors i think it deserved to win but basically you guys get my point such a great variety of flavors and of course they are protein bars which means they are healthy for you despite the taste and despite the variety they also are healthy for you that's right they're great for the keto diet thanks to high fiber high protein low sugar and a low amount of calories so remember, guys, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON20 and you'll get 20% off your next order. That is promo code LOCKEDON20 for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, guys, we are coming back in hot. We're coming back in real hot, sort of. I know this isn't a great game to necessarily uh, 
the, the not a great game for the Padres that we're about to talk about here, but still, we're coming in hot. Uh, but before we get into all that hot stuff, guys, Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Look, it's it's an important podcast. I mean, I just alluded to having Musgrove on my fantasy team. Fantasy Baseball Addicts, you now have a new resource to give you an advantage in your leagues. Locked On Fantasy Baseball. It's a daily fantasy baseball podcast hosted by veteran fantasy analyst Scott Cullen, who uses data and nearly two decades of fantasy baseball experience. It's a long time to offer the strategies and waiver wire pickups that lead to league wins. Follow Locked On Fantasy Baseball on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, guys, let's get into this very much uh, teased, um, unfortunate game for the Padres. They do not get managed to get the sweep of the Diamondbacks. They lose on Sunday by a score of 3-1. to one. And I guess I should start with, let's start with the bad. And you know, there's a lot to go through, so let's begin with that. First of all, just in general, obviously as evidenced by the one-run score, uh, bad day for the Padres offense. And I'm not saying that, you know, they're not going to, they're going to have days where they only score one run. Obviously that's going to happen, but I actually didn't think that the opposing pitcher for the D-backs, uh, Tyler Widener, looked all that great. He finishes the day going six innings, only allowing three hits, walking three, and striking out five. It felt like Padres players were making a lot of good contacts. Tommy Pham had a couple good hits one of which he himself thought was out of the park. He, he even like muttered to himself after he hit it, like, wow, I really thought I got that one. Just in general, you know, not a lot of clutch uh, situations, I guess, for the Padres. Cronenworth flied out with a lot of people on base. Campuzano uh, had a really, really unfortunate strikeout with uh, people on base in the bottom of the eighth. It was just everybody across the board. Machado granted into a double play at the worst um, time, basically. Like, everybody was pretty, pretty bad in that perspective, which wasn't great. It wasn't great. But the bigger thing, the highlight of this game, there's two things that I want to talk about here. Number one, Chris Paddock. Okay, so Chris Paddock, he goes four innings, giving up two earned runs, three runs total, but only two earned because there's an error by Tatis. Four innings pitch, like I said, four hits, three walks, three strikeouts. Here's my thing. I don't think he looked that bad. I, like, I genuinely don't think he looked that bad. Remember, guys, three runs is not all that much, especially when one of them wasn't even earned, like I said, with the error by Tatis, who we'll get to in a little bit, by the way. Um, that isn't as concerning as much as the walks, which is one of the things, even though Paddock was so bad last year, one thing he was good at is he wasn't, he didn't give up a lot of free passes, which was nice. Granted, I don't think it mattered enough because a lot of people, I guess they didn't need to take the walk. They would have rather hit his fastball, I think. And that was kind of the case today. I don't think anything was hit particularly hard. It wasn't that bad, uh, in my opinion anyway. And, I think, though, what was really the most concerning for me, what I wanted to see was a little bit more pitch diversity, maybe show off the curveball. He didn't do that. Only the four-seam fastball and the changeup. Changeup still looks good. I'll say that. Batters swung 17 times at the changeup and whiffed six times, which is very nice. Very, pretty good percentage. And like I said, that changeup is still really good. It's a really good pitch when you see it. It kind of gets forgotten sometimes because it isn't always his wipeout strikeout pitch. And by then, he's already given up like seven runs. But in the middle of it at bat, you're like, oh, my God, that really is a really good pitch of his. And it's it's got a lot of potential. But in general, that's what I was most um, kind of upset by. I wanted to see... You know, did he has he mastered using a curveball more, maybe a cutter more? He hasn't, and that's what's bad. I think that's becoming an issue is that his fastball is too straight, hitters are keying in on it, and they're like, All right, yeah, the changeup is bad, but everything else, we're just like, We're waiting for it. You know, hitters are kind of prepared for it. But I will say, even though, yes, this is a bad Dimebacks lineup, I don't think he was that bad. Padres Twitter is out to murder this guy. I saw the Toy Story meme with Andy, I don't want to play with you anymore. 
I saw that on Reddit and people like putting uh, Chris Paddock's face photoshopped onto it, which is actually quite appropriate because he's the sheriff and the cowboy and all that stuff for Woody. But in general, I think this wasn't that bad of a start. I would have been a lot more concerned if he was giving up like super long balls. And he wasn't really in this case. I didn't think that he was that bad. I really didn't. He just wasn't, he didn't do anything to quell the concerns that I have, along with many others, about his viability as a starter. I still think he should be in the rotation for sure. And like I said, if Chris Paddock is your fourth starter, or even fifth starter, if things don't go well, you're still probably in a pretty good place. But uh, overall, just a, it, it wasn't awful. Like, let me please reiterate, I do not think it was awful. It was just, man, I wanted more pitch diversity. I wanted to see if he wasn't just the same old paddock with the fastball and changeup. And unfortunately, he wasn't. But guys, like I said, an error is why it led to three runs. And three runs isn't even all that much. So in general, not too bad for Chris Paddock. Hopefully, he can bounce back. I have some hope. But like I alluded to earlier with how I like using three starts uh, when it begins the baseball season, just, just me personally, to judge guys that we're looking to potentially break out and stuff before we start freaking out, I think Paddock, we got to give him two more starts uh, to see like where he's at. Um, I don't think that it's fair that, one, that a lot of people killed me on the podcast last year for being concerned about him, and then all of a sudden everyone's done with him. Everyone's just done with him after one start. I don't think that's fair either. So still got to wait on that. The other thing that I thought was interesting this weekend is – Fernando Tatis Jr., man. Um, And I'm not talking about the offense. I could give a rat's ass if he doesn't do much on offense. Now, he does hit the... That's the one bright spot I was going to save for the end. But Tatis, his first home run of the year, it came, unfortunately, the bottom ninth with two outs and uh, no men on base. So it didn't matter. We didn't end up winning the game. But it was a shot. And, of course, guys, even without that home run, like I said, I don't give a rat's ass. If he was one for 15... I don't. I just don't care about batters early on in baseball. I really don't. Remember, Manny Machado started off really slow last year too. He had a bad kind of game against the Dodgers where he didn't get that really clutch RBI for us, grounded into a bunch of double plays. But he'll be fine, and so will Fernando Tatis Jr. I don't care about the batters. I really don't. I think baseball, the number one thing you shouldn't be looking into is looking into at bats early on in the season. Just ignore it. Guys are weird. For pitching, however, is different. And more importantly, though, than the batting with Tatis, what I was really disappointed with, the defense. He already has. But it doesn't seem to show that on baseball reference for some reason. I don't really understand that. But yeah, just to confirm my suspicions, yes, I just checked StatCast. He already has five errors, which is literally more than all he had um, in all of last season. And all of last season, he had three. He had three errors in 60 games last year, and one of the things about Tatis that was so exciting about him last year is that he really improved the defense. He had like a ton of throwing errors. He was one of the like bottom four or five defensive shortstops his rookie season, and then last year he was one of the best, which is one of the things that was so exciting about him is he cleaned up the defense. And it's not just throwing errors either. It was, you know, kind of a tough little play where there was a ground ball he bobbled today in the top of the eighth, which was his fifth error. Um, you know, like I said, how Paddock gave up only two earned runs out of the three, uh, trying to turn a double play that I don't even think was there in the first place, throwing it to Paddock, who was covering at first. He threw the ball completely behind him. <laughs> like, when Paddock is rushing over, that's not his fault, and he throws it into practically the, the dugout. That was just a bad throw, and I think he was trying to force too much. So, really bad defense in the early going. If there's any one thing that I believe could potentially prove worrisome, Maybe it's Tatis's defense. In fairness, in fairness, you know, in a shortened season, it's possible maybe that he just happened to have some really good defensive plays. But 
I, I will say that was the most concerning thing. However, in terms of a silver lining, I look to someone like Jerickson Profar, who was literally on the team, as a good example for streakiness of defense, maybe, if that's such a thing. Maybe this is just an unworked theory of mine, but Jerickson Profar, 2019 in Oakland, he made like 12 errors in the first half with Oakland at second base, and it started causing concerns where people were like, you know, Oakland train staff, they were literally saying, you guys can look at it, but they were wondering, does he have the yips? Like, this is bad. And then he cleaned it up and only made like one error for the rest of the season, which you know, is really good. That's actually actually really nice nice improvement. So that just goes to show you this could be just this weird beginning of the season type thing, but that would be a development to watch in my opinion. Is is will Tatis not be an A plus defender like he was last year? Will he just be an average defender? Which is fine because his offense is so good, but it might lead to him maybe not being as much of a top overall player in all of baseball, potentially. Like maybe not a top three player because of the defense. This is no, maybe not a Matt Chapman, say, of Oakland because of his double sided game that he's able to contribute with. But uh, that's my one thing. I was really concerned about that. But like I said, it's early on. Like I said with Profar, this can be a little streaky. Maybe he got all of his errors out of his system for the whole season. Who knows? You know, maybe he'll only make two more for the rest of the year. You never know. So that will be something to follow. In general, though, I will say this. Tatis, he hit his first home run. It looks like he's trying to do a lot. I think he's trying to show that he's, you know, worth the contract and he's he's the big superstar, a new face of baseball. Maybe he's just trying to do a little bit too much, especially on the aforementioned throwing a paddock at first base. At least that's how I felt about it. But who knows? What do I know, folks? Bottom line, really annoying game for the Padres. But guys, they're 3-1. and one. It's okay. We got San Fran coming up, and I can't wait for that series. Might even do a locker room with Ben Kaspik, who I really enjoy talking with while watching baseball games. So I might do that. Uh, but in general, for the rest of this week, what you can look forward to is obviously breakdowns of each game and kind of highlights. And in general, you know, it's it's late games this week, by the way. It's late games, which means that I'm probably going to have some other content on the end of each of my game breakdowns. And that are two things. I had a chat with DC Lundberg of Locked On Mariners. He asked me to come on the podcast and... Because we have some similarities, we same the same the the spring training field is the same and all that, and we actually have some prospects that we exchange, including Taylor Chamel, and we just had a chat and. It turned out really good and fun and energetic, so I feel like I'm going to share that on here too. I know it might not be as pertinent, but don't worry. You'll still get your breakdowns. And like I said uh, last week, my chat with Emily Nyman, I'm going to attach that to uh, some episodes of the breakdowns You know, with this Giants series this week. And I'm probably doing a crossover with uh, Mr. Bryce Baturik, the sad boy of over at Lockdown Rangers for the, the upcoming Rangers series. And that'll be a lot of fun too. So bottom line, guys, a lot of cool people that will be on the podcast, a lot of cool breakdowns. It's the beginning of the season, baby. Still got a long way to go, but I, for one, can't wait to get through it. And with that all being said, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Overcast, wherever. And if you don't mind while you're at it, if you are on the Apple Podcasts app, please send me some five-star reviews to celebrate this 2021 Padres season. And also because it might just make me feel all warm and fuzzy inside, and I would greatly appreciate that. Follow the show or myself on Twitter. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care.